Welcome. And here we are for a brand new episode of Talking Loyal. And what a treat we have you today. We are joined by former Premier League and current hashtag United player, Greg Halford. Welcome, Greg. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, mate. Very good. Thanks for coming on. Yes, no thank you for coming on. Um, no so, currently playing for Hashtag United. You were playing yesterday. How did you get on yesterday? <laughs> well, <clears throat> it wasn't a great day yesterday. We uh, we ended up losing 3-1, um, oh. which was our first defeat in uh, 21 games. We went 21 games, uh, winning every single one as well. So, mm. it was a tough one yesterday. Mm. Uh, but... You know, the run has to come to an end at some point and, you know, we, we start a new run next week. Yeah, definitely. Who did you play yeah. yesterday? Uh, Stone Market. Okay. They're, they're decent in that, in that division, aren't they, as well? So, but like you said, that the run has to come to an end, but you know, go again next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're not too bad. Um, they've beaten sort of our close, closest rivals, Sudbury, a couple of times already this season and, and they play again next week. So hopefully they can do us a favour and yeah, um, we can keep that gap at the top of the league. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll get onto the hashtag stuff, but take you yes. on a... Yeah, so at the start of all our shows, we always do a trivia question and this episode is no different. Um, Greg, you played for 13 football league clubs throughout your career, but which of these did you play against the most? Um, have a little think about it. And we'll answer it at the end of the question at the end of the show. Okay. So, which of your former yeah, we'll, clubs did you play against the most? Yeah, we'll come back to it. So, yeah, it could be a tough one, <laughs> but um, yeah, don't worry about too much. But um, yeah, with all our guests, we like to start off with a few quick fire questions, sort of maybe not necessarily football related. Um, but I'll start off with: Did you have anyone growing up a footballing idol that you looked up to, or maybe you tried to base your game off when you were growing up? Uh, I always, um, I always watch sort of Bex a lot of the time. Um, I never really, uh, wanted to sort of base my game on anyone. I, it was more of a collective thing than anything mm -hmm. else. Um, but obviously sort of Bex growing up and, you know, that goal against Wimbledon sort of put him on the map and, uh, yeah, just just the ability to not have to beat people and but mm -hmm. still get the ball in the box just by whipping it around people. Um and I was never really blessed with amazing pace. So, you know, that was sort of something that I I looked at and tried to emulate a little bit. Um but not. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, yeah, like you said, not not necessarily emulate, but find your own way to figure out. Like you said, you're not the quickest, but yeah, good, good one. Oh, perfect. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Greg, you played a number of positions, up front, defence, right back, all over the place. But we would like to know the toughest player you faced, both as a striker and as a defender. Oof. So, as a defender... Um... Sort of the the toughest opponents was maybe like Gareth Bale um, mm -hmm. came up against sort of David Trezeguet, Del Piero, and Nedved yeah. for Juventus. Um, 
pretty difficult then. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a striker, wow. Um, I never really thought about it, to be honest. I mean, I haven't really played too many games, but, um, you know, when I was playing for England under 21s and that came, came against France, I couldn't, the player that I was up against, but, you know, that was that was probably my toughest game as a striker, France. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think. Most of the games were in the championship uh, as a as a striker, um, like David Dunn, mm-hmm. like X Man United, uh, X Man City, um, Chris Samba, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just big, used, big physical players, to, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the thing is, you know, I, I could always sort of rely on my height and my strength. Um, but once I came up against players who were as tall as me and as strong as me, it was like, well, how do I outthink these players? Mm-hmm. And that was that was the toughest challenge is, you know, you, you have to find a way. Um, so it goes back. Uh, sort of me playing in defence, what did I not like when a striker I was up against was doing yeah, stuff yeah. to me. So, and that was that was the, the best thing for me is because I played so many different positions, I could take it, um, I t- take that side of my game and um, incorporate it, like what would I not like in that mm. position? Yeah. Um, and that's sort of, stood with me throughout my career um and that's why i think i was able to play so many different positions and why so many managers like me in different positions that's good um so like you said you play various uh, positions would you prefer a scoring a goal yourself or would you prefer a goal line clearance scoring a goal yeah pretty easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah Easy, yeah. easy, yeah. I mean, but it, it depends in the scenario of the game. If we're yeah. sort of one up, last game of the season, having to win to uh, get promoted, and I do a goal and clearance, then yeah, obviously that's going to be a lot better than goal. But yeah, in general, scoring a goal is much better. Yeah, yeah perfect. Um, your favourite holiday destination with the lads. Where are you going on your lads' trip? Dubai. Dubai. Quick, yeah. easy. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm not really one of the party type of guys, but um, Dubai has a bit of everything. You can go out and there's so, so much stuff to do. And, you know, the, the year I got promoted with Cardiff, um, we all went to Dubai and it was it was class. Yeah, mm. love it. A um, bit more football-related again, but... If you had to pick a dream five-a-side team of players that you've played with, who would you pick? The top five, if you can. <laughs> oh. So goalkeeper would be Wayne Hennessy. Um, wow. Um. Defenders, what would I go? You, you, you can put yourself in there if you if you fancy yourself, but nah. Um, 
where am I going? Five side to defenders. Kyle Walker. Uh, goes without saying. Yeah. James Milner. Uh, and Carnu and Andy Cole. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> That's a great team, that. Mm. Um, you mentioned your dream destination was Dubai, but which former five teammates are you bringing on this trip? Hmm. This could be different to their abilities on the pitch, but... <laughs> yeah, Sean Morrison. Yeah. Definitely Sean Morrison uh, from Cardiff, now at Rotherham. Um, one of the best guys I know. Um, David Nugent, just because he's so funny. Uh, Carl Walker, because I've, I've just known him for so long and he's a good character as well. Um, mm. Lee Peltier, yeah, um, and uh, one more, one more. Jazz Richards, actually. I like Jazz Richards. Yeah. He's yeah. Good no, I like it. I like the thought. I like you put some thought into that one's good. I like yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Thank you very much. That's the end of the quick fire questions. And we'll move on to <clears throat> your career. Um, so you started at Colchester United when you were about eight, 18, 19 years old. Um, mm. I used to go to Lair Road occasionally when I was a bit young, about eight years old. I remember seeing you, really tall, really tall man with a really long throw in. <laughs> on the on the sidelines, um, tell us about how it all started at Culture Stuff. You got scouted there, and when you signed, and how did that all come about? So, how old was I? I think I, I went there when I was thirteen, and one of my friends I used to go to school with, um, his granddad um, had connections at Culture Star and he got me a trial. It was a trial game. Um, and we, it was, I remember it was at Colchester University and um, I thought I did all right in the game, but they they said at the time after the game uh, that they wanted me to come for a six-week trial um, and that they saw something uh, like the biggest part of my game that they liked was my first touch. Um, and then from... From that six weeks, I got asked to come and obviously play for them. And then it just sort of progressed and um, getting to sort of 15, 16. Uh, I was the last one out of my age group to get offered a scholarship. Um, and then as soon as I left school, secondary school, I went into full-time football at 16. And then within a I think it was within a year, um, no, a year and a half, I got offered a pro contract. Um, and in that time, before before that happened, I, I made my debut. Um, <laughs> got beat 5-0 on my debut against Luton. Um, but I was, I managed to get man of the match 
obviously a token gesture for yeah. the um, <clears throat> but from that throw in everyone sort of sort of is stuck in their heads and um yeah from there I went strength to strength and ended up playing four years um first team at Colchester before obviously moving on so um yeah it was a good learning curve as well because I think sort of you see all these players um oh we lost someone oh, lost time. it's all good carry on it's all good he'll come um, so you see these Premier League players, youngsters going dropping down to the lower leagues yeah. to like learn their trade and become a man, um, and being able to play sort of near one hundred and seventy odd times. Um, Did before... you think though, when sorry, jump in, but when you were sixteen, seventeen, and you were sort of sniffing around the first team, was that unusual yeah. at that time? Were were you one of the only ones, or was there a few few players that were? being brought up what was the what was it like at Colchester no, there was a there was a couple of players at the time I, I mean I came through the age group same age group as Dean Gherkin mm-hmm. um, it's slightly different for a goalkeeper um, but we had another lad called Ross Crouch at the time and um, he was sniffing around the first team um, mm-hmm. but it was really out of my age group it was only really me and Dean Gherkin who on to have sort of careers in the football league and, mm. and um but it was it was at that time it was quite a big thing for Colchester to bring through youngsters and, and put them into the first team as soon as possible. Um, yeah. and yeah I was just fortunate enough to have be able to play sort of 170 games before I was 21. So yeah. Um yeah. That's good. And the thing was now as well people that watch and listen to football they Colchester back then as well when you were when you started out and then when you played for four or five years they were a good league one side that got promoted to, you were part of their promotion to the championship so they're a very different football league side back then but yeah like I said you picked up young crowd a year 0405 you were named in the league one team in the year 0506 as well and obviously part of that Colchester side that were runners up so yeah you're obviously a big part of that side and um, at a young age which is obviously good very good. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was an eye opener. It was. It was good to be sort of being at the top of the league um, and having that sort of pressure. And obviously, again, that learning curve mm. of being able to deal with pressure. Um, and then that sort of made my mind up in terms of my next progression. Is I wanted to go and learn my trade in in the in the championship. Um, and I ended up having sort of six months to see whether or not I was good enough for that level. Mm. Um, was that sorry? That was all part of your not part of your plan, but yeah, like you said, you you got promoted, and you were like, right, I'm ready to sort of step up now and and move on to the championship. And if it doesn't work out of Colchester, then you sort of knew you were you were ready for it. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, I before that happened, obviously, I, I had that little taster with. Um, England and the 21s and you know it was I was quite an introvert when I was younger and mm. you know, going to camp before the tournament um, and seeing all these prefer- uh, premiership players Tom mm. Holmes, James Milner um, all these players and thinking that I wasn't 
good enough or ready to be there and Peter Taylor at the time just gave me the confidence and every day yeah. I grew and um, you know that gave me the confidence to be able to sort of step up into the championship and sort of have yeah. that good solid six months there um, and then once once people knew that I could deal, the, deal with the championship that's when all the teams started coming in yeah yeah like you said you had a Go on, Tate. So, say in that summer when you got promoted from Colchester, was there interest from championship clubs, other championship clubs around? Yeah, there was. There was. There was t um, clubs in the Premier League that were looking as well. Mm. Um, I, I think there was probably only three or four teams in the Premier League that um, hadn't spoken to Colchester about me. Um, so. Yeah, there was there was definitely a lot of interest um, around me, and I think once I had that six months championships, sort of, that was a little test for them to see, maybe see what, yeah, see what you're about, was, I suppose. Yeah, but then they started to back off, knowing that the the Premier League clubs were coming in. Um, I remember going to Sunderland, playing against Sunderland um, just before Christmas, and they were really struggling at at the bottom of the championship um, and Roy Keane had just come in mm. and uh, we went up there and, and won and um, at that time they gave sort of man and match to both home and away players and they gave a, a presentation um, to sort of the people who had paid for the dinner and everything like that and that's when Niall Quinn and Roy Keane sort of made a cheeky approach um in the back room where we were waiting to be presented and um they sort of gave up and knew that I was going to go to to the Premier League mm. um but then obviously they kept their tabs on me for sort of the year yeah later on um so yeah after they like said six months in championship with Colchester you got your move to to the Premier League with uh Reading in 2007 January what was that like? Like you said about the interest of our clubs, but were Reading one of the, the front runners and you were like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I'm, I'm all for it. How did that come about? Well, <clears throat> there was, um, there was a lot of offers that came in, um, spoke to a lot of people. Um, and then, but I was sort of swayed towards Reading because it was run like Colchester. It was a family club. Um, mm -hmm small but big club um, and then obviously Phil Parkinson who was my manager at Colchester played a lot of had a lot of years at Reading and then I was playing with uh, Kevin Watson at the time who also spent a lot of time at Reading and spoke to them and mm -hmm. I just felt at that time it was a better fit I was able I felt like I was able to get into the side quicker instead of going to a a big six. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my way of thinking. Um, and, yeah, so I, I spoke to Steve Koppel and yeah. um, Wally Downs and Kevin Dillon and um, the director of football and John Medeski and, and everyone like that. And I just got a good vibe for the, from the club and, um, yeah, decided to go there. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Tate, do you want to go into yeah. the... Yeah, so you made your full, de full debut for Reading in 
away at Tottenham Hotspur in April. Um, how did you prepare for that? Did you do anything differently because you knew you were you were starting? When did you find out you were starting? Was it the night before? Were you tossing and turning in bed or? No, it was. He always named named the team when we got to to the ground. So there was yeah, nothing. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing different about preparations or anything like that. It was, and then obviously it was nice because you had that. You didn't have that pressure thinking about it the day before or the night before. Or you weren't lying in bed in the hotel or waiting or thinking about what could happen and stuff like that so it was good and I felt like I had a pretty good game apart from the dubious penalty call um, yeah we've we, seen we, we, we did watched a, that on Friday yeah we did a bit of research and saw that you were full back and then I, to be honest, I might have been at the game I've, I've been a season ticket my whole life but yeah you got a dodgy handball call against you so yeah yeah so it was um it was a tough game and <clears throat> obviously um I think it was I was up against Steve Marbronk first half. Um who was tricky, smart, um and obviously the, the obviously the rest of the team. I actually can't remember too much of the Tottenham team, but um and then they decided to finish me off with Aaron Lennon for the second oh, half. Good. <laughs> Where'd yeah. you down and bring on Aaron Lennon absolutely rapid? So yeah, good luck. Yeah, exactly. So um, but I remember Martin Yarl after the game calling me Popeye and because of the throw in and, and <laughs> I remember speaking to the management team as well afterwards and they were sort of saying they didn't feel like I was fit enough and um, we got the running running results back sort of the Monday morning after the game and I'd run a kilometre and a half more than anyone else. Um, I do. So yeah, it's kind of probably ch yeah chasing Lennon probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was it's that perception that I give is like I'm tall, I'm laid back, and but don't ever under underestimate sort of my work ethic because mm. I will run further than anyone else, and um that proved that after the, that game. Yeah. So after your debut, could you um could you tell pretty much straight away that the, the the difference in level between League One, then Championship, then Premier League? Oh, yeah, without was a doubt. In instantly straight away, the touches are better, the passes are more crisp, straight into your feet. Yeah, exactly. And and that's um, it's more of the process as well, of like um, the tactical awareness and knowing where all your, where every single player is on the, on the pitch at all times. And that took a while for me to develop. Um, and obviously try and recognise that I was good enough to play in this league. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, just, it was, it's, it's hard for me to go to new clubs. I, I found it tough to, to go to new clubs and settle in straight away. So, um, and clubs from day one, you know, they, they want you settling yeah. in and, they want basically instant if, results, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't, then you're out. And um, that was a that was a tough thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on that debut you had made at Spurs, did you manage to get any shirt swaps, or did you get anything from certain players? Yeah, I got um, Tom Huddleston's shirt after the game, um, only because I I played with him 
previously at, at England, so I knew him well. Um, so I didn't really make too much effort of going after people's shirts, only the, mm. the people that I knew. Yeah. Um, but there's, I've got, a, I've got a story about a shirt that a bit later on when we get to the next. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just quickly though, before we move on about your, obviously you spoke about England. You you represent England under twenties, under twenty ones. I think is that right? Mm-hmm. And just so for those that are listening, that within obviously you played like of Huddleston, Milner, all these all these great players. But to give you reference, your I looked in the 2005 tournament. I think it was under 20s, under 21, the World Cup. The player of the tournament was Lionel Messi. So that shows you what what you're up against and the the age range and all the rest of it that when you're coming through. So yeah, yeah. To yeah. even represent your country is is pretty incredible. So. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was special and I still hold it dearly to, to me. I've, I've still got every single shirt that I wore um, hanging up and yeah. yeah, special. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, after six months, um, you moved from Reading to Sunderland. Uh, we signed in the summer. Um, you might have a little story or two, but yeah, like you said earlier, Roy Keane was in charge. Was it, did you sort of have in the back of your mind you might be somewhere along the line, get a little call from them or how did that happen? No, not at all. Actually, it's um, you know, I I played what did I four, three or four games for for Reading. Um, mm-hmm. knowing that that was sort of the six months was the sort of bed in time. Mm-hmm. Know everyone, get to know the league, um, get to know the players, uh, new place to live, and everything like that. Um, and it wasn't. I was on a holiday in the Maldives actually, and um. I had the, I had a call from my agent saying that like they're seriously considering an offer from Sunderland. Like, mm. how do you feel about it? So I don't. No, I don't. I don't want to leave. I've only just. Yeah, you're trying to just start at Reading, basically, aren't you? Exactly, and like I bought a house. Mm. Had the keys for four days, and then they sold me. So. Um, so I, yeah, I went. I went into the training ground after I got back from from a holiday to see see Steve Coppel and um I said look I, I don't want to go he said look whatever you decide I'm more than happy with mm. and I said look I've got unfinished business here I signed a four-year deal I'm your record record signing like I want to be here and he was yeah, like, yeah yeah fine and then it wasn't until Nick uh, Nicky Hammond who was the director of football at, at Reading um had had a meeting with him and he was like well you're going to be um third choice right back I'm like, doesn't bother me yeah, so yeah. even from that point like he was trying to convince me to go mm-hmm. um and i was like well if you don't want me here then i'll go yeah yeah and that's yeah. not the side of football that you never really you normally people avoid, don't you? You don't hear it, you don't yeah, see exactly. it. Exactly. And the ins and outs. So. I really, from, from that moment, I, I, it's not that I lost respect for that sort of position in the club, like director of football, because mm. manager, he wants to, he wants me to stay. So, what's it down to anyone else? He's the one who picks yeah. the team. Um, but for someone with such a big influence in, in the club, uh, I just felt like, right, let me get on a plane and go up to Sunderland and see what Roy Keane has to has to say. And yeah, um, 
kind of hard to say no to a guy like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, take one, you, you might. Yeah, no, I was about to say about moving. We had a question, um, obviously you're from Essex, local lad, Reading is not too far out of Essex. How was that to move up, like I said, get a plane all the way up to Sunderland to restart a lot again? You've just got the keys after four days and then you've got to move up there along with starting a new club. It must be quite a stressful, stressful experience. You know what? Sunderland as a club, obviously it's a massive club and, you know, it, it was the first year that summer they'd, they'd just got in a player liaison um, who was amazing and she made it so effortless. Um, she sorted out house viewings and planes and everything like that, that is such a ball ache to do. Mm. She made it as easy as as you'd like, and um, she was amazing. And um, it was it was quite easy, um, to be honest with you. When I had a look at a load of load of houses, and ended up buying again. And um, yeah, that part that part was pretty easy. Obviously, the moving and everything like that is stressful time for anyone. Um, but yeah, they they made it very easy and was very grateful for that. When you knew that, like you said, Sunderland, Roy Keane were, were knocking, were you were you ready to go? Like you, yeah, Roy Keane, like I said, he's a almost a surreal name. It's you know, what I mean, he's a Premier League legend, a, a football legend, as such. So when someone wants you like that, then yeah, is it an easy answer? Uh, in the end, it was. Um, it wasn't at the beginning, um, but. Not only was it Roy Keane, it was Niall Quinn as well, who was the owner of the club. And to have someone... So it, it was kind of like a good cop, bad cop. Obviously, Keno mm. um, has this whole exterior of yeah, this hard man. But Niall was the soft guy, even though he never played like that. Um, but he was such a nice guy and... Know, to have them two sort of convincing me to to go up there and you know sort of make a lot of promises and and everything like that and um, it ended up being a, a fairly easy answer and obviously going to the training ground and, and the ground you know state-of-the-art training ground state-of-the-art stadium um, yeah it was easy how was, so yeah, during, um, go on. Yeah, go on. Sorry, how was Roy Keane to play under? Did you ever get on the wrong side of him? Ever get a telling off? Mm. Yeah. A bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just remember sort of again, it was it was managers and clubs wanting an instant impact. And we went on um pre-season tour. We we went to Portugal first and he said he was really happy with me and how I bedded in and settled in and got on with all the lads. And um, he wanted to offer me the number two shirt, which obviously sort of meant that I was going to be the first choice right back. Um, and then we went to Ireland and played a couple of games over there. And I can't remember who we played against, um, but got in at halftime and gave him an absolute rocket. Um, were you expecting it no not at all not at all <laughs> and, and usually sort of I'm, I'm my own worst critic 
um, when it comes to my performances. Um, but yeah, definitely wasn't expecting anything like that. Um, and yeah, he was just let you have it intense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, during your time at Sunderland, you, you had a couple of uh, loan spells, Charlton and and Sheffield United. Um, mm. During your loan spell at Sheffield United, you played forty nine games, scoring eight goals, obviously including a massive moment at the playoff semi final. Um, yeah. Just to that is obviously we can delve into it, but what initially why do you think that was such a successful period for you and was it to do with the club itself, the manager, the players? I think it was because the manager at the time, Kevin Blackwell, um, just gave me the freedom to do what I not wanted, but you know, that little bit of like just go out and express yourself and, and do what you do best and get my confidence back. And obviously I, I played a lot of games, but not many people remember that the first sort of four or five months, I wasn't really playing that much. I was coming on or, or sort of starting games, but not too much sort of um, every game here, 90 minutes. Yeah, every, yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until sort of that gen January period we lost James Beattie. Um, and then I had a train, tra training session where we sort of had, it was snowing and we had an indoor session and he just stuck me up front and I ended up sort of scoring eight or nine in this little five-a-side. And he was like, okay. That's where you are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then obviously I played right along the front line, wide left, wide right, through the middle. Um, and it was just that sort of confidence of going to express yourself and and the, yeah that was yeah, it was a very good time for me had you just a quick one I'd like to think about it but when you were growing up had you played four positions or were you predominantly a sort of midfielder defender and then like you said at Sheffield United it suddenly changed yeah every time it was um, coming through uh, as a kid I always played centre midfield um, and then I have no idea why Phil Parkinson decided to play me as a right back. Um, never played there before. Um, and yeah, so, and that just stuck. Um, Even that, yeah. I bet that was an adjustment when you, like you said, first six months at club, you're trying to get into it, get into the side, and then suddenly you're changing positions here and there. It can't be, can't be easy, can it? No, no, it, it, it wasn't easy, but um I wanted to learn. I wanted to mm. be able to play every position and and that was probably it. that ended up probably being my downfall is that sort of you know the old saying jack of a jack of all trades yeah. master of none. Yeah. Um but I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't just sit in one position. I got bored, like it got too easy. I like I needed to go and change. And that, that's when I was younger, sort of consistency in my game was always the bit that was my issue. Um, and then obviously sort of going into a new position gave me a new lease of life and and that was it. And, you know, it was, it was, frust it was frustrating, but fun at the same time. 
Yeah, and like you said, the the playoff semi final goal was that probably one of your fondest memories? Would you say that that moment, that game? I suppose. Yes, it, I mean it's up there just purely because of the noise. Yeah, um, I bet. It even sort of watching it back, and I get it sent all the time to me on social media, and um just hearing the noise again just sort of gives me gives me goosebumps it, yeah. obviously it, it was a goal and and everything like that but, but sort of in a, in the cop end of at Bramall Lane and um just the noise the wall of noise um it was crazy and yeah that would always live with me oh, yeah um you had a good little team there at Sheffield United a great mixture of youth and experience um, just the names on the road, James Beattie, Cole Norton, Paddy Kenny, Lee Henry and Carl Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, could you tell that Carl Walker was going to go on to be a superstar and one of the best right-backs to ever play in the Premier League? Yes. Straight away? <laughs> yes, yeah, straight away. People, <clears throat> so Carl Norton at the time was playing, he got into the team before walks um, and everyone was hyping Noughts, Kyle Norton. Um, and I remember at that time, my agent, I introduced, he he said, who, who do you think's better? And I was like, Kyle Walker will have a better career. Um, so I introduced them, them two um, together. And um, don't get me wrong, like Kyle Norton is an unbelievable player. Like yeah. technically at that age, he was so far ahead of Kyle Walker um but the the raw athleticism that Kyle Walker had yeah and his willingness to learn just you could see it straight away yeah no you can see that now with when he's gone to Man City and his game's even gone up leaps and bounds since he was at Spurs and arguably I would say best ever right back to the Premier League a trophy cabinet back yeah, up and everything. Yeah. That um sort of even when he went to Spurs and he had his loans to Villa and QPR and getting into the Spurs, I, I still don't think sort of positional sense he was great. Um it was only in because it didn't need to be great because of how mm. quick he was, he could get out of trouble. Yeah. But going to Man City and learning off Pep. It's just taking his ability to read the game and know his position and everyone else's position just to the next level. And um, yeah, he knows how lucky he's been to be able to have Pepper as a manager and learn yeah. learn that position um, inside and out. Yeah, definitely. Um, just on the, obviously you got to the player final, but you obviously sadly got beat in the player final. Was was your plan or did you think if you'd have got promoted with Sheffield United, you'd have stayed there or was that even a thought in your head at the, at the time? The plan was to stay there anyway. Yeah. Um, whether or whether or not we got promoted. Um, and I spoke spoke to Blackwell after after the summer. I'd gone back to um, Sunderland wanted to have me back. Steve Bruce was the manager at that time then. They wanted me to to come back, and do preseason, but I wasn't really prepared. Too too much, sort of history had gone, and 
I didn't really want to be part of that club anymore. Um, so the whole plan was to stay at, at Sheffield United. And speaking to Blackwell, he, he sort of said that um, the price tag would have been too much, um, which, which wasn't the case at all. Um, because they ended up, I think they ended up signing Chad Evans at the time from Man City and then putting on putting him on double the amount that I was on. Mm. Um, but obviously Wolves came in at that time. Um, they'd got promoted automatically that season. Uh, and, you know, I had some good games against them as well, um, playing against Matt Jarvis and mm. and that. So um, obviously England international. Um, so yeah, obviously ended up going there. Uh, yeah, that was our that was our next question actually. Took the words that's right out of our mouth. Um, when obviously you secured a move to newly promoted Wolves and linked up with recent guest Matt Jarvis, um, mm -hmm. he was great on the podcast. And how was he like in the changing room? Was he a great teammate? Always. Hardworking. Yeah, he was. His work ethic was unreal. Like before training, after training, he was in the gym. Um, loved the gym. Probably, <laughs> probably more than being out on the field. Yeah. Um, but he, he was a big. Honestly, he was so fit and strong and quick and um such a nice guy as well off the pitch uh, yeah I can't speak hardly about Java United you just mentioned there he was a great trainer was there one player that you played with who was a horrific trainer but come Saturday didn't have to train at all but come Saturday was like a Rolls Royce sorry say that again um, you mentioned there Matt Jarvis was a great trainer but did you play with a player that put very little effort in on the training field, but then on Saturday it was like an absolute Rolls Royce. Um, you can say yourself if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there would be. I'm just trying to think at the top of my head who it would be. Um, I can't think of someone off the top of my head at the minute. Um, but yeah, there's, there's one in every team, to be honest with you, where mm. they just don't really care about training and they, yeah. they, they'll turn up on a Saturday afternoon and absolutely smash it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so like you said, you moved to Wolves with another a very well-known name in football, Mick McCarthy. Had, did he contact yourself or was it, a, was it the club contacted Sunderland at the time? Uh, um. Yeah, Mick, Mick called me actually um, and sort of convinced me to come down and uh, have a chat with him and see the club and uh, talk about sort of future plans and everything like that. And um, yeah, he, he spoke highly about me and sort of, he, I remember him saying, um, was sort of one of the first things he said, he was like, when you were at Colchester, I wasn't interested you in you at all because I didn't think defensively you were great. Um, mm. And then sort of for Charlton and, and Sheffield United, first half of the season at Sheffield United where I was playing right back, coming against Jarvo, he was like, 
I've never seen anyone not like keep Jarvo so quiet and not let him have any touches of the ball, mm. um, which was which, which was a nice thing to say. And then obviously he sort of said some things about Kino, obviously their relationship in the past oh, yeah. with the World Cup and yeah. the onside straight away. So um, yeah, it was uh, it ended up being a pretty easy decision to go to Wolves from there. Um, and yeah, so you moved on. Go on, Tate. Do you want to... yeah, so, uh, so after Wolves, you then continued your career in the Football League, moving to a number of clubs, including Portsmouth, Forest, Brighton, Rotherham, Birmingham and Cardiff. Um, from all the clubs you played for, what was the most stressful transfer you had? Was it a deadline day one? Was it a, one, a long-going saga all summer that was just annoying or one out of the blue? I think the most stressful one, I think, was going to Rotherham from um, Forest because the previous season, I, I, like that season, I'd been on loan at Brighton and um, they, they said that they, they wanted to take me, but we're looking at exploring other avenues um, and Rotherham had just been promoted and... In all honesty, I didn't really want to go there. Um, I had a good season with Brighton. Um, Dougie had taken much at um, Forest. Um, he wanted me sort of at the beginning to go back and then he changed June. Um, so, yeah, it was that was that I think that was the most stressful time because everything was so up in the air. I didn't really know what was going going on. Um, mm. And then I, I spoke to Steve Evans and he just fed me a load of lies um, to, to get me signed and ended up signing. And you know what? <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it, but um, after I'd signed, I got back into the car with my agent. I was like, Right, six months and I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm getting out. Yeah, that feeling. Like, yeah, I just had the feeling straight away, and and that showed in my performances at the beginning of the season. I, I wasn't up to scratch. Um, Steve Evans sort of said um, that I was coming in as a striker, and my my whole thought process was like, I'm I'm getting on in, in age. Mm-hmm. like let's go out to America That's that was the big thing at that time mm-hmm. people, these famous people going to America and, and living the life and building the football brand out in America and I wanted to be part of that so you know at that time there was only I think there'd only been one designated player defender in the MLS at that time and mm-hmm. Uh, that was Mar- Marquez, Mexican from Barcelona. Yeah, Rafael. Yes. Yeah, might be yeah. Rafael Marquez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to be going out to the MLS as a designated player, as a defender, which is why I went mm. to Rotherham because he was saying that I was, I was going as a striker. So I'm, I'm thinking, right, banging a load of goals for six months, and get myself to the MLS and be a designated player and, yeah. and do what I wanted to do. Um, and then, yeah, just Steve Evans. Think quite, yeah. 
just yeah. really like I played 145 minutes in pre-season as a striker and everything else was a centre-back. And I was like... Yeah. Well, what's the point? Like you said, you you commit yourself, you you talk to these people and then, yeah, it turns out to be total opposite. It's never good. Yeah, exactly. It, like, it, even going into um, the meeting before I'd signed for Rotherham, he, um, he sort of, like, just to put the cherry on top he was like right I'll make you captain as well bring yeah, you in yeah. and I'll make you, make you captain mm. and in pre-season he pulled four of us into his office we went to Scotland and he pulled all four of us into his his office and was like I don't know who's going to be captain this year so it's up to you for to mm. prove to me that yeah. you're able to to be captain I'm thinking to myself well you already like (laughs) you've already told me yeah exactly um which got my back up a little bit and then sort of the day at the start of the season he pulled me and Lee Frecklington into his office and said that I'm going to give Greg the the armband could quite clearly see that he didn't want to give it to me but he knew that he made this promise yeah he's already said it yeah exactly he gave it to me four games later he took it off me and I didn't even make a fun I was like I'm done with this guy like yeah <laughs> get me home yeah. with this club like get yeah me yeah yeah I just didn't well, want to be part of it well on that it probably but, moves quite nicely but first question I've got for you is your least favourite manager would that be Steve Steve Evans without a shadow of a doubt or <laughs> Yeah, just purely because he, he didn't know what he was doing, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a name for himself in the Football League as being able to play this new Neil Warnock um, mm-hmm. getting teams promoted and everything like that. But not many people see that he always had the biggest budget to work with. So he, mm-hmm. in theory, he bought the leagues. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just a horrible horrible man just mm. horrible like his old demeanor and his personality was just horrible um and he's got no friends in in the game no friends at all his mm. assistant used to join in with our banter about him like putting him down and stuff like that yeah. it's a horrible thing but Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's very, very yeah. like you said, you're you're right in the mix of it and you've dealt with a person. It must be very, very yeah. frustrating to see and everyone else yeah. thinks he's great when he's not. And to flip that over. Yeah, exactly. It was just a, a compulsive liar as well. Mm. Everything that came out of his mouth was just lies and... Yeah. Yeah, it's just horrible. <laughs> so we'll move on. We'll move yeah. on to, to flip it over on a positive side. Who was your favourite manager you played with, played for, and where did you think you played your best football? Which manager you played best football under? Um, I mean that's a it's a tough one because I had so many good moments and good seasons. So obviously, like Phil Parkinson at Cockster, I had like three great years with him, um, and then he took me. And Pardew, he was assistant to Pardew at Charlton, where I played well. Um, and Kevin Blackwell at, at that time, with the team that we had at Sheffield United, we should have run away with that league. 
like should have run away with it. Um, and I always felt like if we had a manager not, who wasn't a rookie manager, um, we would have run away. So if we had Neil Warnock, we would have run away. Mm. Yeah, you've played with some, like you said, like some proper football names, haven't you? And Warnock, even Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane, like even Kevin Blackwell to a certain extent in that. He's a name within football, isn't he? So yeah, you've 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 played on some good managers. Oh yeah, yeah, very good managers. Billy Davis was yeah. very good. Um, Peter Taylor, who was my England manager. Um, so yeah, I've 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 been fortunate to have a lot of good managers and a lot of fakers as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure you do. Yeah. People have, have these names in their managerial sense, and they're just terrible. They don't know what yeah. they're doing. Like Alex McLeish was Bad. one <laughs> of the worst. And you look at the career that he's had: he's Rangers, Scotland, mm. Villa, Birmingham, um, Birmingham. Yeah, it's just it's, it's honestly it's crazy. Yeah. Well, who's your who would you say your best mate within football is? A player that could be a player, a coach, or yeah, someone who you just felt yeah, decent, decent bloke. The guy that I got on well with, and it was hard to create relationships because I was moving so much. Mm -hmm. But the team that we had at Cardiff, the togetherness that we had was something that I'd never seen before or mm -hmm. part of. And you see the all these teams that get promoted, they always have this togetherness. And we weren't the best side in that league by a million miles. We weren't even the second best side in that league. But the fact that we were so close as a group mm. got us promoted. And obviously having Neil Warnock as a manager as well, who brought that togetherness and his know-how. Um, so I could I could near enough say every single one of them players at Cardiff. Mm. Yeah. Do you think with like like you said with Warnock, sorry Neil Warnock, that he if obviously he's a good manager, he knows if he has a great set of players, but a group of players if he can get together, do you think that's a secret of his that he he has nailed down that that works really well? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. His his ability to understand players' feelings and keep everyone happy and on, the and, and on the same page. I mean, that promotion season, I got left out of squads, um, mm. which obviously I wouldn't be happy about, but at no point in that season did I feel unhappy. Mm. And that's the biggest compliment. Yeah, it's quite to. a skill, isn't it? Yeah, like, like you said, you're, you're not playing, but somehow you're still happy. If you're at another club, you're not playing, you're obviously absolutely human, so... Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> now, talking about Neil Warnock, um, it's great to see him back at Huddersfield again. Um, can you describe Neil Warnock in three words? Um, charismatic. Um, intelligent. And just funny as well yeah just good. hilarious you see the old clips of him when he was the Sheffield United manager you yeah. see him going around the line was he was he like that in the dressing room 
No, not so much. Not so much. He he'd sort of mellowed out a little bit um, when I had him at Rotherham and and Cardiff. Um, yeah, it was just yeah he'd mellowed out a little bit. You could see that he had that little switch in him if he really wanted to. <laughs> and, yeah. But he he used to come up with like to me a couple of times and to Sol Bamba um, before games. Because he'd, he'd get this sense that we wouldn't perform before games. And I had no idea how he was doing it. <laughs> um, but he, he'd come up to me once or twice and sold Bamba. And he'd, he'd say, I'm going to come after you at halftime. Like, I want to cause, cause a scene and get everyone wild up. Yeah, yeah. It was all staged, but no one really knew. And it would just lift the players and... You know, obviously worked. We we yeah. we lost that season, so it was yeah, it was good. Um, just a maybe a sim a classic one, but what would be the best ground that you've played at? That you'd say atmosphere wise, or the, just the stadium itself? Oh. Do you know what? I I don't have a favourite one to be honest with you. Like, growing up playing at Layer Road. Mm. I love going to places like Craven Cottage mm-hmm. yeah. and, play, and places like that. But then you go to Old Trafford and, and um, I don't like the new stadiums. I don't like the Emirates. I didn't mm-hmm. like the Etihad. Um, places that had character and soul and, and you know, history. So I got a chance to go and play at Real Betis uh, and I loved that. And it's completely different. It was all open. There was sort of no sort of roofs on stands. It was just open. It was like a bowl, like mm. a, a bit like the new camp. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was, it was, yeah, just really. Yeah. Really so, good. Like you said, somewhere with a bit of character, probably, yeah, the old school style is my, what you prefer. Exactly. I suppose, so, yeah. you know, when I went up to Scotland and going to Ibrox and Celtic Park, like Celtic Park hasn't got a patch mm. on, on um, Ibrox, and people are going to hate me for for that. But um, just the history and you know the the decor of inside and the stadium and yeah, it's just yeah, I, I prefer that. It's a shame when you see clubs that move out to these newer stadiums and they sort of lose a bit of the culture. I think Colchester is a perfect example moving to the community stadium, which is on the side mm. of the A12, all yeah. open. It's yeah. not really in the city centre anymore, as Lair Road was that nice, small, yeah. compact stadium. I remember, I think, I can't remember if it was in the Championship or League One when Colchester played Sunderland there. You beat them 3-0. I remember it was Dwight York, Roy Keane, walking into this really small, narrow, yeah. and they were looking around thinking, this ain't Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah. And it's the, it's the intimidation factor, isn't it, as well? Do you know what it was? That game, that was the championship game. Championship, yeah. Um, I literally signed for Reading the week before. Um, and they gave me the opportunity, Reading gave me the opportunity to go back, pack all my stuff, go and say my goodbyes to Coach Star. And that was the game I went to. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was I was standing in, in this, t- obviously the tight tunnel at Leo Road and Roy Keane walking in. And the stewards who I got on really well with um, in the tunnel had two books. 
and both Roy Keane books. One was an autobiography mm. and one was, I don't know what it was, but it was a Roy Keane book. And um, he asked Roy Keane to, to sign, sign the books. And Roy Keane was like, I'll sign that one because I wrote it. I'm not signing that one because I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was him. Um, Tate, you got any more yeah. sort of questions about um, your career? Yeah, we've got. You touched on the managers um, earlier, but is there a manager you played with, played for, sorry, that you'd wish you'd played for a bit longer? Maybe that time was cut short from a move, or yeah, Neil. Yeah, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Easy. So I, before I signed for uh, Reading, Sheffield United, uh, put an offer in, got accepted. Um, but prior to that, we we went up to Bramall Lane and played them and lost to them in the FA Cup. And Neil didn't speak highly about us at all. Not say they gave us a good game and like mm. showed us any respect. And I remember going up to Marie Partner's office, who was uh, the sort of director of football, but not. Um, and she was like, that we've had this offer. What do you think? I was like, no, don't want to talk to him. He spoke so badly about us. Don't want to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was probably, and that was the season that Sheffield United got um, relegated from the Premier League because of the Tevez Mashuai. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no. And that was probably <laughs> the biggest mistake that I I'd made, to be honest. Um, not going and having a chat with him. Um, and then. Obviously, when he got the Rotherham job, um, I fell out with the manager before, put me in the under-23s, um, and Neil got the job, and I'm like, oh, I'm done here. He's going to remember it, I've said. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, luckily enough, Kevin Blackwell, who was my manager at Sheffield United, was his assistant, and I had an ally. Mm. And he kind of bring him back in, bring him back in. <laughs> and from there, me and him hit it off. Perfect. Um, uh, tell you any more? Go. Yeah, just the final one. Obviously, you played numerous positions throughout your career. Was there one that really stuck out that was your favourite? Striker, right back, centre back, where was it? Um, obviously, I love playing as a striker. Mm. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Being in that position, you have no response. What I say, no responsibilities as, as defensive, but you know the pressure of if you make a mistake as a defender, <laughs> you're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's normally a goal. Yeah. Whereas you make yeah. a you make a mistake as a striker, you you can have so many opportunities to go and score another goal, and it's, mm -hmm. you only need one to be the hero. Whereas right? mm -hmm. you make one mistake as a defender, you're the villain. So yeah. not having that sort of pressure. Um, but I've always seen myself as a centre midfielder and um, only a few managers have, have seen that as well but my favourite position at, at was a centre midfielder um, so yeah we'll talk Tate you, you got any more about his career mm. as a whole no or? that was I think that's everything we got there Jack yeah um, we'd like to just obviously like you said current day you're um, playing for Hashtag United uh, they're currently in the Ishmael yeah. uh, North Division, I think. One below the yeah. Prem. Um, 
so yeah, how did that come about? As obviously there's a there's a lot of following around hashtag and the social media side of it is huge. But yeah, like they're they're a established non-league club now. Um, yeah, Jess, how did that how did that happen? Um, I was funny enough. I, I was going to go and play a charity game um, for for Harvey from So Solid Crew, and um, I took one of the lads up, and he was friends with Joe Keith who I used to play with at Cochester when I was coming through. And he was assistant. He's assistant at Hashtag. And um, to, to be honest, I was fully prepared just to quit football. I had offers to go back into mm. the league and I just didn't want to do it. I don't, I, I don't like the industry. Um, so he made the phone call to Joe and he was sort of, let's go and have a chat. I'll come down to training and, and and have a look and if you're interested, let's have a yeah. problem. So I went down to training, had a look. Um obviously not something that I'm used to. Um obviously like we share the ground with uh Bows and Pitsy. So they were mm. training on the same night. So you only have half the pitch. Um so yeah, it was um it was interesting, but I got excited just purely because of something completely different. Yeah, it is. yeah, exactly. Football, but it's run in a completely different way, and um, I was I was really intrigued about it, and you know, going and play football with very little pressure on you. Mm-hmm. It's it's something. Are you that, playing? Where are you? I think you're. Are you playing centre back there at the minute, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing yeah. centre back at the minute. Um, yeah, it's not really is that. It, challenging. Yeah, I was about to say, do you get a lot more time on the ball, or is it? Yeah, no, you, and obviously, no. like you, no less. No, you get less yeah. because everything, everyone's just running around doing like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is frantic at that level, isn't it? Yeah, so my sort of knowledge and experience. Um, give myself a little bit more time on the ball and mm-hmm. being able to teach these young lads as well. Um, it definitely got me interested and, and that's why I took it. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on earlier that you said that hashtag was something completely different that you're used to. Um, as your training or preparation has altered at all throughout your career, have you got to do, have you got to do less to get, to get more on a Saturday or do you do more training in the week to keep yourself ready for for your game on Saturday or how, how does that work? I'd be very little to be honest with you. Mm. Um, it's not without sounding disrespectful to the other teams in this league. It's not really that challenging to be honest. I don't really get a sweat on. I get a sweat on going to the five sides with H on Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> doing Harry's running on a, on a Monday night, Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's not really challenging to be honest with you. It's it's just nice being able to help develop these youngsters that I'm playing with into better players. And you know, we got a good dressing room um with some talent in there and but they're all good people, which is the main thing. Yeah. And on the like I said, hashtag United Dead. Their social media presence is massive. They've got hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube and Instagram and all the rest of it. And you've played in front of tens of thousands of people in massive Premier League stadiums and football stadiums. But 
is that a different slight of pressure or do you not really knowing that your game will then be watched by hundreds of thousands of people online or is it not really that doesn't really come into your thought process no that's never really come into my my way of thinking to be honest it's more like do you know what it's more like i treat it more like a practice game where we do an 11 v 11 in training mm. that that i think that's kind of because i've played in in front of full stadiums in the premier league mm. and, and everything like mm. that i'm used to doing 11 v 11s in training every single day mm. And that's kind of what it's like because we only get maximum 500 people. It might as well be training. Yeah. Um, right. Or a game behind closed doors. Um, the difficult part for me was being able to be in the presence of cameras mm-hmm. in, the, in the dressing room before and during and after and and everyone trying to make content mm-hmm. this game, whereas I'm there to play football. Yeah, and, yeah. And I've never sort of been able or looked to be able to flip that switch where it's all fun and jokes before, like five minutes before kickoff, and then all of a sudden you're in game mode. Yeah, yeah. But, that game and for that moment and it's it is different um i'm sorry to get in there yeah good uh, that's good um so you mentioned at the top of the show great form um recently for hashtag been on a long winning streak um obviously looking for promotion this season have you got any plans for what you're going to be doing next season continuing there or have you got any ideas no to be honest i have, I have no idea i haven't spoken to the owner or the manager or anything like that um I think it's just fully focused on winning this league first mm. and getting promoted and having that next step for the club um, is the most important thing. Um, for me, as a player, that's all I care about at the minute is is winning the league um, mm. and keep pushing the club forward as a football club and a brand. Yeah. So don't fancy a little stint on Love Island. Nah, I'll, st- I'll leave that to <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, leave that. Toby's got that covered, so that's all good. No, but on that, on a yeah. sort of serious note, that like like we keep saying, the social media presence, the, they want to create content and cameras are all flying around. Is And most traditional non-league clubs, do they look down upon hashtag and is there comments and little things? Yeah, massively, because... It. the club's only seven years old mm. and already they're light years ahead of these other clubs that we're, we're competing with in the league mm. and they don't like it because they have this heritage that the support yeah. have been following these teams for so many years and everything like that so you know that everyone thinks that our budget is so much bigger than everyone else mm. whereas it's more than likely towards the bottom yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many people know about it, and we have the, this persona that we just throw money at everything, where it's that's not the case. Like mm. the owner and his brother Seb run the club to where we are in comparison of the leagues, and 
I mean, you look at Sudbury, their their wage bill is probably four times ours. Yeah. Which is massive. Mm. Um, but then because, like you said, because of the other side of hashtag, they, everyone just jumps on the hashtag's neck, don't they, I suppose? And... Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, but we're in it together and we don't really take any notice of it and yeah. go about our work. Did, yeah, do you think that spurs your team on, or like that that sort of edge um, that, that gives you an edge to go right? These lot hate us. Let's let's go and win again. Y- yes and no. Um, yes, in terms of the lads use it as fuel, but because of a lot of of their ages and how young they are, they don't know how to channel that. Mm-hmm. So when they get on the pitch. It, they make decisions that they don't usually make and they try harder stuff that they're not capable of doing and they don't know how to channel or focus that sort of um, energy towards us. Um, but sort of as the season's been going on, it's been getting better um, mm. and everyone is sort of growing and learning the process of being able to channel and focus that energy in in the right way um but at the end of the day this is this is it's still non-league and yeah, of course um there's going to be a lot more mistakes on the pitch than than obviously full-time football yeah of course um final from question from me um life after football do you see yourself going into management or are you totally once you're done that's football and you're going to do whatever you need to do? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I, I've started taking my badges. Um, but, yeah. It would have to be... I don't think I'd go into management. It would be more coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one of my friends got a managerial, I could be just sitting back in, in sort of behind him and but just... Yeah taking the sessions and, and stuff like that. Um, but no, at, at the minute with obviously the football being part-time, um, I'm, I've started up a couple of businesses, so that's taken up a lot of my time. No, fair enough. Good. I'm perfect. <clears throat> I think that's all our questions we got there, Jack. Yeah, I think it was good. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. If we will revert back to the trivia question I asked at the beginning of the show, just to refresh your memory. Yeah. Um. You played. You played for thirteen football league clubs throughout your career. But which of these clubs did you play against the most? Uh, wait. You said clubs. There's more than one. Uh. No. Sorry. Just. So we. I've got. I've got the top three. Top three. Oh. Yeah. I can. Help, I. I don't know the answer. I'll help you out. But. Um. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I'd probably say, Cardiff would be one. That's in your top three. Yeah. A second. 12 times. Charlton? Uh, no, not the top three. Ooh. I think played Sheffield United three times. Four times, three. Uh, is Sheffield in there? No. no. Didn't think there would be. Um, Cardiff. Mm. Get Cardiff off the bat, it's good. Very good. Oh, no idea. Uh, 
What about Reading, Tate? Is that one? Uh, yeah, Reading's number three. Is Ooh, it 11, really? ta- 11 oh, times, yeah. yeah. I've played against Reading 11 times. <laughs> Apparently according, so. according to Transfer Market. <laughs> <laughs> 11 times. You, you've, won, you've won twice, drawn twice, and you've been booked twice against them and you scored against them. <laughs> against Reading? I've scored against Reading? Oh, no, yeah, I did. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, it was a head of uh, Nightingham Forest. <laughs> Um, so number one, t- yeah. Give us a clue. Give us a clue, Tate. Um, give you a Forest? clue. No, no, not Forest. Uh, let's have a clue. Clue, clue, clue. Oh, it's quite isn't it? Did you score against them? You scored three times against this club. <clears throat> I scored three times against this club. But how many times did he, did he play for this club? Three times, three times as well. You played for him. So you played for this club three times, and you played against no, sc- sorry, scored three times. Yeah, bloody hell! I played three times. Reading, I played three times. Uh... What other clue can I give you? Championship team. Um... <laughs> Birmingham City. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> About clues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Birmingham City. You played against them fifteen times, and I've scored against them, have I? Yeah, three times, apparently. Let's try and get away. Wow. Yeah, I can feel Because we didn't go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lose. But the club he played against the most times was Barnsley. 17 times. I've definitely scored against Barnsley as well. Yeah, twice. Yeah. First game of the championship season for Colchester. I remember. No. Oh, it was the Forest. Mm. <laughs> very good very good good question Tate no thank you very much um, I think that's everything we've got to talk about um, thank you very much for coming on the show Greg I hope yeah. it was okay no problem at all yeah my yeah. pleasure no appreciate it Greg that was yeah really good thanks for coming on again um, and yeah again those listening hope you enjoyed it but yeah cheers Greg no problem right. thanks take care lads cheers cheers, right. cheers. bye bye